Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Huddle up, huddle up, huddle up. On Giants.com. Here we go, here we go. And the Giants mobile Get them in there, let's go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Welcome to another edition of the Giants huddle podcast brought to you by PSE&G. Energy efficiency for game time and anytime. Visit PSEG.com slash Giants for discounts, rebates, and home energy assessments. In the huddle this week is former Super Bowl MVP, Super Bowl champion. You see him on CBS. He is former Giants quarterback, Phil Sims. Phil, what's going on? Uh, nothing, you know, uh, contracts, free agency, draft, <laughs> uh, off season, whatever. It's a lot going on and uh, good to be on with you. Uh, sorry, I'm a little late here, but, uh, you know what they say, if you can't get her on time, just get here when you can. So I'm here right now and I'm looking forward to talking to you. Hey, we're happy to have you whatever time you can carve out for us, Phil. So, you know, if you guys want contract details and stuff, we'll do all that on big blue kickoff live and stuff. We're going to talk about Daniel Jones, the player here with Phil. So, right. Phil, as you kind of monitor this whole thing, all the drama, combine, face-to-face meetings, is this going to get done with the franchise tag? Just how did you read the whole situation? What was your reaction when you finally saw it got done? Oh, look, I always thought it was going to get done. It's just, you know, and, and yes, I thought it would be done earlier uh, during the offseason, but that's it just It could have been much be- later. It got done with like five well, minutes. Well, that's right. And that's how it is, down to the last second where you got to make a decision. Why make a decision before you have to? And that's what... The player does. The team does. I think it's, uh, you know, of course, when I was thinking about Daniel Jones being re-signed late in the year, you know, I was always, I'd put out numbers, but, you know, in this NFL now, I, I can't judge the numbers anymore. Uh, I look at what the hit is on the salary cap, and I judge the player, and I think it was a good job by the Giants. And I, I, I'm sure a lot of fans right there going, well, oh, they paid him too much money. It's not your money. And it's okay. Don't worry about it. They they're businessmen up there, talent evaluators, and they 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 did a good job and they got him. And I think it's nothing but a great step forward for the New York Giants. All right, and it's a step forward for Daniel Jones too, right, Phil? Because he gets to stick yes. with this coaching staff uh, for a second consecutive year. So I guess before we start looking ahead, let's look back a little bit. How did you judge in view? Because we didn't have a chance to talk last season. Daniel Jones's year under Brian Dable in his fourth year and the type of progress you saw that he made. Well, uh, the talent did not surprise me, of course. I've been high on his talent from the day he was drafted. And, of course, I've been down there a little bit. I watch all the games of the Giants uh, every week. I watch the game. The first thing I do Monday morning when I wake up, I I watch the local teams. I'm going to do that. That's what I do. But, uh, yeah, the talent didn't surprise me. But, you know, he finally, with the team, but most importantly, the surroundings, the environment, the head coach, they – used his talent and displayed it. So I thought it was tremendous. 
and everybody on TV constantly, which, you know, wears me out. And it's not just the Giants, everything. But, well, he only threw 15 touchdowns. Okay, where do we think the Giants were going to be this year? Nobody had them. Even I didn't say they have a winning record. But the way they played, what they looked like, and the way Daniel Jones played, I'll say this to you. What was his worst game of the year? What was what his was worst it? game of the year? Probably one of the Philly games. Maybe maybe the playoff game against Philly? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Maybe one of the Philly games. And, and They're pretty good, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, they're good. But my point being, really, when you look through it, it's hard to really pick out a game or two. You go, well, he just didn't give us a chance at all. They just got overwhelmed by Philadelphia. There yep. was nothing they could do. Terrible matchup, whatever. But, um, yeah, I thought he was really sharp. I think the thing, the running was even better than I expected. But the quality of his arm, you know, he's never going to be the top five or six uh you know, throwing quarterback that some of these guys are, but he is a really good thrower. Is he good enough to win playoff games? Well, he already has. And to take the Giants farther physically, and I think we saw it mentally, yes. And I had a couple people, I won't even say their names, just couldn't get over his accuracy. Daniel Jones does not miss. And I never hear that uh, by anybody that's out there. It's all, well, he's not throwing, he's, at least he's not turning the ball over because the narrative has been so bad that nobody can ever flip the switch. And how about Tua down in Miami, John, just to say this real quick. We hate, we don't like him at all. Oh, new coach, new system. Oh, Tua's great. You know, so you know, see how quick it can change. Judge the talent. And now we need the coach, the GM, and all them to do their job to bring it out. Sorry for the long answer. No, that's a great answer, Phil. And then, you know, I think you mentioned it in your answer there. He just cut back on his turnovers too, right? He didn't fumble as much. He didn't throw. He had the lowest interception rate uh, in terms of interceptions per pass attempt in the league. And I think that was linked to something else you mentioned, the running, right? They were so willing to use his legs if the open option wasn't there to pick up. And he picked up so many key first downs with his legs over oh. the course of the year. And, you know, you talk about 15 touchdown passes. Well, add the seven rushing touchdowns to that, and the number looks a lot better you know, pretty quickly too. So what do you think the key was to him kind of reducing those turnovers, which is something that plagued him his first few years in the league? Well, you know, that's the coaches. And, and you know, you get a different mindset. And the play designs, very clear. Here it is. Now, he made a lot of tough throws. Oh, my gosh. You know, you look at it, you know, so many footballs that they're tipped because it was such – they were almost contested catches a lot of times. If somebody gets hurt, you know, you get unlucky sometimes as a quarterback. And uh, for him, he did not get unlucky too much this year. That's that's one thing. But the turnovers, yes, the system, the environment that he was playing under and Coach Dable, and, of course, he knew too, which puts you more on high alert, that turnovers will not be accepted here. And uh, they coached him hard during the offseason, during the preseason games, everything. I think we saw all this in preseason football by the Giants. And they carried over to the regular season. And for them too, John, the last thing, you know, getting off to a good start when there's a new coach, we have questions about the quarterback, all that. Man, all of a sudden you walk into the Giants facility, it's just a different vibe. And you know, everything kind of went their way this year. And I hope they can improve on it next year. Now, what's the trajectory now, Phil? Where do you think Daniel can take that next step being in this system for a second year with the same coaches, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Give him more help. 
Okay. Yeah. If he gets more help, the coaches are going to be more creative, design more stuff, look for bigger plays, ways to score more points. Instead of going out there, you're always trying to score points, of course, but they had to manage. Managing the game, I could only complain once or twice all year long where I would I disagree with Coach Dable what he did. But, man, when you get through a year with a head coach and you only disagree a few times with their decision-making in game situations, then that, that's a great year for the coach. But I think that's – you give him a little more talent, it's going to change his decision-making, the way we judge him, uh, the way he plays the game because he's going to see op more open receivers than I think he saw this past year. How do you think they should best build around him then? Because I think one thing, Phil, that we saw last year, he didn't throw the ball down the field a ton. And I no. think that was a product of his receivers. One, I think two, also his protection, right? Absolutely. So as the Giants now head into this offseason with some more, you know, cap space because they managed a long-term deal with him, do you focus on protection? Do you focus on receivers? How would you try to build around him? Well, it's a tough question. I want both, you know, <laughs> okay. I mean, I do, you know, always in the NFL, it's hard to overcome a shaky offensive line. And it's very seldom done. I say this every year, and I follow it pretty close, uh, closely during the year. But you look at playoff teams, you, you look at the Super Bowl. There we go. What do we have in common? Well, we had a lot of things in common, but we had two offensive lines that were pretty damn good. One, probably the Eagles were probably the best. And Kansas City, we don't talk about anything but Patrick Mahomes, which rightly I understand, but they had an offensive line that they rebuilt and redid and reworked after they lost to Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl. So offensive line, and I don't know about the receiving group right now in the draft. I haven't studied them or really much about the free agency, but they're definitely going to upgrade the receiving core, uh, I think, first and foremost. And I guess I'll ask you this because, you know, receivers a position, right? But they now come in so many shapes and sizes. You have the smaller slot guys, which the Giants kind of have in Wondell Robinson when he's healthy. Right. You have the bigger guys outside. You have the do-it-all, three-level separator, route runner type. If you if you would try to go in a laboratory and create the the type of receiver that you think would most help Daniel, what would you prioritize when you're trying to add that player, whether it's in free agency or the draft? Well, you know, the old saying is, and Mike Lombardi told me this probably 20 years ago, you need a basketball team, all right? We need yeah. a center. We need a point guard. We need a shooting guard, you know, and uh, you, you, you've already said it. You got to have the slot receiver that can make things happen because they're kind of like, to me, tight ends and slot receivers. They have the easiest job to me because they're in the middle of the field. And when they run, there's no boundary that the, you know, the defender, the corner can say, yeah, I'll go. yeah that's right. They got a two way go. The corner can always say to the wide receiver that split out going, I'll give you that, you know, 12, 15 yard outcut. But you do anything else, I'm all over it. And I and I used to, when I do games, I heard that all the time. Akeem Talib was the best. Just to get it. He'd say, I'd say something. He goes, hey, I'll give them that 12-yard out if they're willing to throw it. And I said, yeah, but they throw it a lot. And he goes, well, you know, I'm just going to wait. And he's going to throw it one too many times. <laughs> and, you know, that was the whole thing about it, that I'll give you a couple of those, but I'm going to give one sooner or later. And what do you do then? So that's kind of how I look at that. But yeah, the so the slot receiver, the tight end position, really big. But there's nothing like having that one guy outside that you got to think about double covering, right? And put a little more focus on him, which, you know, the old cliche, 
opens it up for other people. So, And then how does speed, Phil, the ability to win over the top, to put the fear in those safeties, help a quarterback and the offensive scheme in general open up that middle of the field, which is really where so much of offensive football now is focused? Yeah, it really is. It's it's amazing how over the ball, inside throwing that it's in the league right now, and probably the most undervalued. No, the under what I don't know what I'm a, the word for it. Underused is the sideline, and there's a few teams in the league. Man, they throw sideline routes just one after another because that's what they do, and a lot of teams don't like it. Oh, it's it's dangerous throwing it out there. Well, it's also, to me, probably it's one thing they're going to give to you a lot of times is those outcuts. And, you know, John, you know, even back in my career, the one thing we did, damn, we threw a lot of outcuts. Yeah. That was the sideline. That's my, that's my friend over there. And it's just whatever your system is, but the receiver, there's nothing like having the guy that can go deep and um, Daniel Jones definitely has the arm and all that stuff to throw sideline routes too. We know that. I imagine you would prefer the guy that separates more than the guy that maybe, you know, is good at making some of those contested catches that maybe is a little bit bigger, but doesn't have that separation ability. Yeah, I would think so. You know, the contested catch thing, it's great. And there's guys that do it well, but those, I don't know if I can go out there and say, Hey, this guy's a contested catch guy. I don't, you know, I don't, I want a route running speed guy. And I, you know, you want that guy that I don't know if the giants are going to be able to get that guy this year. I really don't, but Get that guy that just really scares you when he lines up outside. There's a few teams that have it, and it's it really is the cornerstone of what they do on offense because of those those receivers. Yeah, we saw big, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle down in Miami. Absolutely. Sorry for interrupting. I know a big, right. a big part, Phil, here was bringing back Saquon Barkley. They're using the tag. We'll see if they work something out long term. They were right. able to do that because they got the long term deal done with Daniel Jones. Didn't have to use the tag on him. How does his return now for next year impact Daniel and the offense in general? Oh, it's huge. I, I, I can't tell you if if I had to bet money this past year, Saquon, I'm sorry, I'd have bet against you just because I know how the running back thing goes, the injuries and this and that, but he was fast, decisive, and, you know, he was a different runner than we've seen during his career. Do you agree with that or not? Yeah, less dancing, right? It was He just, he, he, he got right to it. Man, it was awesome. And, you know, it, it, and we would watch it on TV, of course. I always try to keep my eye on the game when I'm at CBS on Sundays. And he would get the football sometimes and go, wow, he almost broke the whole thing. I mean, his acceleration. And I think it's great that they, whatever, I'll, I'll get in this, franchise tagging, whatever, because I think he's great for the locker room. I think he's great for the team. He's wonderful for the fans. Everybody loves him. We know he's a good player. And if they give him a contract that's just going to, you know, if he gets to say a three-year deal, maybe it's two years where it's, it's we got you at least for two, whatever. But I think that would excite the fan base and everybody else too, because I think he's just one of the uh, favorite players of the New York Giants. Fans love him. And uh, when he stays healthy, he shows that he's he's a terrific player. You know, you mentioned this earlier. As a quarterback, Phil, you know, you talk about intangibles sometimes. And Joe Shane mentioned some fourth-quarter comebacks. You mentioned winning that playoff game on a road. How important is it for you to see a player at the position do those things uh, for you to believe that they can be a guy you can go out there and win a Super Bowl with? Well, you want to see it, of course. And, um, you know, Daniel Jones um, – 
you know, it's it's like he never changes. His personality is is great in a lot of respects for being a quarterback in New York, being with the Giants, or even in the NFL. I mean, he's the ice man. Damn. Could I I just want to see him yell at somebody on the field one time? You know, he's you know, everybody likes him, but his talent is we've seen it and we saw it this year. But uh the fact that he just doesn't flinch, man, John, come on. He made so many. I know that Minnesota's defense was not good, but I'm just going to take those two games where they played. He made so many tight, aggressive throws, especially near the goal line. Wow. I mean, after I even saw him throw a touchdown, I can't, I'm not going to get exactly what the plays were. I go, man, I don't know if I could have pulled that trigger because, you know, you throw interceptions down in the inside the 10 yard line. You know, fans, media, nobody ever forgets that. But he was terrific with throwing some really big-time throws in that area of the field. What's the key to red zone success, Phil? Not just for a quarterback, but for an offense. Because I really think that was one of the reasons the Giants were able to compete the way they did this year. I think, to me, the number one thing is just this. um, uh, Design of plays. And, you know, when you get in the red zone to think, that we're just going to overpower the other team. Well, that's great if you're the Philadelphia Eagles or a couple teams, but overall the field's so condensed that to me, it's more about deception. That's why I love Kansas city's offense. Do they ever just line up and hand the ball off inside the seven yard line? No. Yeah, I mean, you, you, I mean, we saw the two plays in the super bowl, right? With the motion and they wind up with easy touchdowns and it was it, all scheme. It's all scheme with them. Andy Reid will line up and try to truck you in the field but once they get inside, I, I swear to, uh, in the top of my head, I can't remember them getting in a formation with Patrick Mahomes under center, you know, and in the red zone or really inside the 10 and just turning and hand the ball off inside. It's always some deception. Oh, well, Travis Kelsey is going to be the quarterback. He'll hand it off. You have the shovel pass that they use all oh, the time, right? All that stuff. He's thrown so many shovel passes. My God, it's un- <laughs> it's unbelievable. But but that that's what I love. And 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 I think that if I was a head coach, I'm sure they already got this. I would have one person. That's his only damn job. Right. Yeah. I want to see you work all week and give us about six plays down inside the eight, not the 10. I think it's a little closer to that when you got to be more creative. Uh, because defensive backs and defensive players have gotten really good at knowing where the back of the end zone is and what's going on. So you need to be, I think, deceptive to get it done. couple more here with Phil Sims. Phil, um, let, let's go here. Daniel, what do you think his ultimate ceiling is? If the Giants do improve around him, get the offensive line a little bit better, especially inside, they get a couple more weapons outside. Are we going to be talking about him with that you know, elite top five group? Is he going to be in that 7-8 range? What do you think his ceiling is if you get the pieces around him that any quarterback would need to play at that level? Well, he can definitely be a top 10 quarterback. You know, if we want to do that, I get so tired of hearing that. Well, you know, he's not a top 10. This guy's not a top 10. You know, was Brock Purdy a top 10? If he doesn't get hurt, are they going to the Super Bowl? Maybe. Changed everything. Uh, So I think that just explains to you. I'm not taking anything away from Brock Purdy, but he doesn't have Daniel Jones' talent. He can't run like him. He doesn't have his arm. Uh, You know, all those things. So... Uh, his ceiling is very high and you know it just you know I I'm not taking it personal I just I love talking and arguing about all this stuff but you know all we've heard since I watched TV this morning and everything 
well, Daniel Jones only threw 15 touchdowns last year, so they're paying for just 15. And I just want to go, oh, that is such a misconception about who he is and what went on this past year. And I wish I was sitting next to you because we would argue out loud. Um, you know, it's just I it, now when we don't like the guy or we want to argue, we go to a number. Well, we don't talk about over 700 yards rushing, do we? All the movement, all that. No, no. 15 touchdowns. Well, next thing I want to hear, what was his damn quarterback rating? Oh, that's right. I don't care. I don't want to hear it. As soon as you talk about quarterback ratings, I turn over. So, you know, that all that stuff is so, as we've seen, we saw with Daniel, we saw it with Tua. We see, oh, well, Josh Allen, Dable got him more accurate, whatever. Well, can we give the guy a little talent that he figures it out? And, you know, when you're a great talent, you usually can adjust and do what you need to do to make yourself a better player. So uh, I get annoyed by a lot of stuff, as you can hear, John. That's why uh, I love having you on, Phil. It's, yeah, you know, it, basically, it's an airing of grievances, and I'm here for it. Yeah, okay, yeah, I know. I, unfortunately, I was kind of that way uh, as a player. <laughs> so <laughs> as Bart well, once said to me, man, you know, I said, really, was I that way? He goes, oh, you were the worst. And I just go, oh, well, I said, I don't know if that's a compliment or you're being detrimental to me, but I don't really care. It's it, You got to be who you are. And that's why you and Coach Par Parcells had such an even keel, calm relationship all the time, right? <laughs> you know, John, honestly, I think that's why we got along to, to work together. He would yell at me, and every once in a while, when I just had a spontaneous outburst, I would yell at him. And you know what? He never got mad when you yelled at him. I tell, like I told Joe Montana, I tell a lot of these guys we're around, we tell stories, of course. And, uh, I would say these things and they just like, really? You yelled at him? And I go, yeah, I cursed at him, you know, because they can't, they never had that relationship with a coach that way. And, uh, that's the way Bill was. And, that's why we won too, because he yelled at everybody, not everybody, but he yelled at quite a few people and he was demanding, but he knew how to do it without alienate you, which is, I think, always the key. Phil, if there's one thing I know about people from New York and New Jersey, where I grew up and I live now, we're very used to people yelling at us and yelling at other people. We <laughs> yeah. just grew up with it. So it, it isn't a big deal. All right, right. Final question here, Phil, before we say goodbye, big picture giants. You can include Daniel in this answer if you want to. Unexpected success last year, right? They make the playoffs, win a playoff game. Like you said in the first answer, you, me, nobody would have predicted that before the year. So now it's tougher to do it again, right? You can do it yes. once. How do you do it again or even improve and take that next step? So for you, as someone that follows the league, what's the formula for the Giants now to sustain that success and not be one of those six or seven or eight teams every year that are in the playoffs one year and then they drop out of it the next? I like their chances of continuing, getting better, and being more of a factor this coming year and the years to come. And it comes down to one thing, and that's the coach. That's it. He's going to set the environment where you can't relax and go, well, we had a good year last year, and, you know, we can relax a little. I mean, no, unfortunately, football more than, to me, than any other sport there's no time to relax. When the season's over, take a deep breath and start worrying about them the following year because here it comes. And I, I know Brian Dable, it's easy for him to be that guy that can – I don't even know him that well. Hell, he lives up the street from me, and I've never seen him in town once. That's because he's so, always in the damn office, Phil. <laughs> is that it? Well, that's good. That's where you want the head coach. But, you know, it's 
I, I just would be shocked if we see them go backwards this coming year because they're going to be more talented and they can expand what they're doing even more. And the other thing is they kept their coaching staff. I think that's huge. Not that I was rooting against Wink Martindale, but I'm glad he's back because he brings a personality also to the team that I think is just great for the whole uh, situation. And, and, you know, the word that everybody says, and I say it every once in a while, because I don't know the way to do it, the culture. And um, I think it's real. I don't think they'll lose it. I think they'll keep the players on edge. They'll be physically better. So I, I would expect them to be a better football team. Let me just follow up real quick, though. You mentioned Wink Martindale. I've been asking you about the defense. Put right. your quarterback helmet back on now. What type of pain in the rear end is it to play against a defense like that? I'm sure it kind of gives you Buddy Ryan flashbacks from back in the day a little bit, right? It's a pain in the ass. And, you know, <laughs> I, I, as, as I've talked to – I never really got a chance to ask Wink Martindale. I say Wink, uh, you know, whatever, the these questions. With a lot of – like Todd Bowles. I say, um, you know, if you blitz and the quarterback hits a big pass on you, do is that do you stop blitzing? He goes, no. And I go, why? He goes, they hate it when you blitz, and it would just keep them on edge. And I'm going to keep doing it and whatever. And I, after he got done telling me the whole scenario, I'm not going to do it. I just went, wow, that makes a lot of sense. You know, it, it's easy decision making for a quarterback, but it's constant pressure of the blitz. What's going on? All these things and. So that, that's what I love about Wink Martindale. Trust me, I know quarterbacks are over there trying to guess with him. Oh, it looks like a blitz. And, you know, I think they're pretty good at disguise too. So um, he's a big factor in their success this past year. And, hey, hey look, you know, I don't care. I say it on the air at CBS. I'm a Giant fan. And uh, it's what else you want me to do? Boomer sits there and roots for the damn Bengals all the time. Bill <laughs> Cower, he can't go three segments without talking about the Steelers. <laughs> So why can't I talk about the Giants every once in a while? And this year, we will have more of their games probably on CBS right. than we've had in years past, which I'm pretty excited about. Yeah, represent that big blue phone. You mentioned before we started, you're watching the college quarterbacks, right, coming out a little bit? Yes. You want to just give me a thumbnail on your thoughts at the top of the class? I know you had a good tweet about Anthony Richardson. He's just kind of like a – he's basically Cam Newton, except he's more athletic. It's ridiculous. Just your thoughts on the four guys and in, in, in your early watching of them on tape. Well, I, I'm going to slowly, I've, I've already watched them all, uh, those guys, and I'm working my way down the list. And I'm going to tell you, John, there are a lot of guys I like. And it's, I think you can get an NFL starter in the second round. I think Ooh. there's some really high-end guys. You know, so I'm not going to get into who they are yet because I want to really clarify it. But I was watching a couple of quarterbacks yesterday. I'm not even going to say their name. I went, oh, my gosh. I, this is hell. I might pass on that top four and just take this guy later. And, you know, or I guess we got four guys. Everybody's thinking it could go in the top 10, but uh, yeah, there's that it's, I'm not like blown away by the talent of the, that first group. I like them and there's a lot of stuff I like and I don't like whatever. That's one thing, but I'm really caught, caught off. I, I caught by surprise with the talent and some of the other guys. So it's a deep draft as far as that goes, and you're going to be able to get a backup quarterback, a potential starter for sure in the second round, maybe late first. So we could have more than four or five go in the first round. Uh, it'll be interesting. So I'll get back with you as we do this, get a little closer, and I'll, I'll try to put them in order, but I'm going to talk a lot about them, that's for sure, here coming in the future. Hey, can't wait to hear it, Phil. Good stuff. Yeah. Thank you so much for the time, and uh, let's talk again real soon, all right? 
John, you're the man. All you got to do is call me. I know I was late today, but thanks for being patient. You know, my son, like I said, what what, what do I say about my son? Chris? Well, he's a pain. Uh, <laughs> Dad, can you do the podcast? I go, yeah, I didn't know. Hell, I didn't know we are going to be on for two hours, but that worked out just fine. But it's yeah, good to do. We, we, we had, Chris was on with us a couple months ago. I think it was right before the Vikings playoff game, actually. So, Oh, really? Uh, Trust me, the, the Sims family are, are good friends of the Giants Little Podcast. Thanks oh, so much okay. for being with us. All we'll right, talk John. to you soon, and we'll see you next time. As Paul, don't interrupt my closing of the show. Get out of here. Oh. Thanks for joining us in the Giants Little Podcast. We'll see you next time, everybody. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.